بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلى الله وسلم وبارك على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين رب شرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل العقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما Last week we spoke about the plague of Amwas the plague that took place in Palestine that claimed the lives of many of the Muslims in Sham Now when so many people died in Sham because of this plague it caused some confusion regarding the laws of inheritance how the inheritance of those who passed away should be distributed amongst their inheritors because sometimes many members of the family died sometimes the parents died and also the children died so sometimes the parents died and before their inheritance could be distributed to the children the children died so how is this inheritance distributed right so there were a lot of questions there were a lot of issues that came up regarding the distribution of the inheritance of those people who died in the ta'un in the plague of amwas so to solve these problems and to settle these issues umar ibn al-khattab radiyallahu an himself after the plague was over umar ibn al-khattab radiyallahu an himself he went to sham to solve these problems so he went there and he distributed the inheritance of the people in the proper way he made sure that everything got distributed to the rightful inheritors now while umar ibn al-khattab radiyallahu anhu was still in sham after taking care of this issue of the inheritance while he was still there in sham umar ibn al-as approached him with an idea that he had and remember umar ibn al-as now he is the commander of the muslim forces in syria before the plague Abu Ubaidah radiyallahu anhu he was the general commander of the forces in Syria but then Abu Ubaidah he died in the plague and Muadh ibn Jabal became the commander but then Muadh ibn Jabal also died in the plague so then Amr ibn al-As radiyallahu anhu became the commander of the forces in Syria so at this time Amr ibn al-As is the commander he approaches Amir al-Mu'minin Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu with an idea he said Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, I think that we should expand our conquest into Egypt. Umar radiallahu anhu, listening to this idea of Amr ibn al-As, he didn't agree with the idea at first. The Muslim army had just lost many soldiers in the plague. Over 20,000 Muslims died in this plague. So the army became somewhat depleted. And now Amr ibn al-As is saying we should go into Egypt as well. We should start a new conquest in Egypt as well. So at first Umar radiallahu anhu, he didn't agree with this. One of the reasons was because of the size of the army. Another reason he thought that, you know, entering a new land, entering Egypt, entering the African continent, that might pose different challenges that we aren't prepared for yet. So Umar radiallahu anhu, he did not agree with this idea. But Amr Ibn al-As radiallahu anhu, he persisted. And Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhu, as we mentioned before, he was a genius. He was a political genius, a strategic genius, military genius, diplomatic genius. 
So he knew how to analyze situations and present his argument in the best way. So he continued to convince Umar ibn Khattab He said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, Egypt is currently colonized by the Byzantines. The Byzantines, th these were the main enemies of the Muslims in Sham that the Muslims, alhamdulillah, were able to defeat in Sham. But he said, Umar ibn As said, the Byzantines, they also control Egypt. And what the Byzantines do in Egypt is they loot all of the resources and the wealth of Egypt and they use it to benefit themselves. Instead of using it for the benefit of the Egyptian people, no, they loot it all and they, they use it for their own benefit. So he said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, if we allow Egypt to go unchecked and we allow the Byzantines to continue their rule in Egypt, then they will continue to become wealthier from the wealth of Egypt and they will use this to strengthen their general economy and they may use this to also form a new army as well and that would pose a threat to us because if they're able to get strong economically if we allow them to get strong economically if we allow them to have an opportunity to rebuild their army then they may try to retake and recapture the lands that we conquered from them in Sham. So it is a threat to us, Ya Amir al-Mu'mini. And also he mentioned that many Byzantines after Sham was conquered by the Muslims, after the Muslims took over Syria and Philistine, many of the Byzantines who were in those lands, they left. And where did they go? They went to Egypt. So Amr ibn As told Umar ibn Khattab, Ya Amir al-Mu'mini, many of the people, many of these Byzantines, they have now relocated into Egypt and it's a chance for them to consolidate over there and become stronger over there. And who knows, maybe they will try to attack us in Sham once again. So we need, to, we need to make sure that we take control of Egypt so that they don't have any stronghold over there either. So this is a very good argument. Right? He has very good reasons for his desire to conquer Egypt. So eventually Umar ibn al-Khattab after listening to this reasoning and listening to these valid points, he agreed. He agreed and he prepared an army of 4,000 soldiers to go with Amr ibn al-As to conquer Egypt. So Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhu, he's very pleased with this, very happy with this. And he set out with this army of 4,000 men to Egypt. So they're going to Egypt. They're on their way to Egypt. When they reach close to the border of Egypt, they're almost going to enter Egypt, but they haven't entered Egypt yet. They're near the border of Egypt. They receive news. This army of 4,000, they receive news that there's a messenger that's coming. Umar has sent a messenger. And this messenger is, is coming towards us. Right? He's behind us, but he wants to deliver a message. So usually if there's a messenger coming from the leader, what will the commander of the army do? He will slow down or he will stop and he will wait for that messenger to come to receive the message, to see what it is. But what did Amr ibn al-As do? He did the opposite. He told his army, speed up. Speed up so that the messenger doesn't catch up with us. So they said, Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, uh, Ya Amr ibn al-As, O commander, this is a messenger from Amir al-Mu'mineen. So shouldn't we just wait to see what the, what the message is? He said, I know what I'm doing. Go faster. So they agreed. This is their commander. They're, they have to follow his, his commands. So Amr ibn al-As and his army, they start to go faster towards the border of Egypt. And then the messenger seeing that they're going faster, he goes faster as well, trying to catch up with them. Eventually, he catches up with the back of the army. Remember, it's a 4,000 men army. 
So he catches up with the back of the army and they're still moving forward. So the messenger now, he's moving with them. And he tells the people at the back of the army, I need to, I need to get a message to Amr ibn al-As. So the people at the back of the army, they send news to Amr ibn al-As, who's more close to the front of the army, that the messenger is here and he wants to meet with you. He has a message that he needs to deliver to you. So Amr ibn al-As, he doesn't want to meet with the messenger. He makes all sorts of excuses. Oh, I'm very busy right now. I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with that. I cannot meet you yet. We'll meet you after some time, but I can't meet you, you, meet you yet. I will meet you when I have an opportunity. I will meet you when I have some time. And they keep moving forward as this is happening. And the messenger is moving forward with them as well. But he cannot meet with Amr ibn al-As. Amr ibn al-As keeps making these reasons not to meet with him. And in the meantime, while they're moving forward, Amr ibn al-As keeps asking the guides who are with them, who are guiding the path. He keeps asking them, have we entered Egypt yet? Have we entered Egypt yet? And they say, no, Ya Amr, we haven't entered yet. He keeps asking them and they keep moving forward. Finally, they get to the border of the Egypt and they cross over and they get into Egypt. Now they're inside Egypt. Now Amr is more relaxed and he says, okay, I can meet the messenger now. Let the messenger come. I can meet the messenger and see what he has to say. They're inside Egypt now. So the messenger, finally he meets Amr ibn al-As and he says to him, I have a message for you from Umar ibn Khattab, from Amir al-Mu'minin. And he gives him the message. And Amr opens the message. And what does the message say? The message says, إِن دَخَلْتَ مِصْرَ فَأَكْمِلْ وَإِن لَمْ تَدْخُلْ مِصْرَ فَرْجِعْ Said, if you have already entered Egypt, then go ahead and continue the conquest. But if you have not entered Egypt yet, then come back. So he has entered Egypt, alhamdulillah. So he can continue. And he will be obeying the orders of Amir al-Mu'minin by continuing the conquest. Right? So this, this was the genius of Amr ibn al-As. He had a feeling what the message of that messenger was. And he feared that if the messenger meets me and I have not entered Egypt yet, I will have no choice but not to enter Egypt and I'll have to go back. So he only wanted to meet that messenger and get that message once he was inside Egypt. And that is exactly what he did. So now Umar radiallahu anhu is saying, in If you have entered Egypt already, then continue. But if you have not entered yet, then turn back. So he sends a message back to Amir al-Mu'mineen. He sends a message back to Umar ibn al-Khattab. Ya Amir al-Mu'mineen, I have already entered Egypt. So I'm going to continue just as you have ordered. But I also need more support. Only have 4,000 men with me. I need, I need more people. The population of Egypt at that time, just the men, it was more than 2 million at that time, right? The men of Egypt, more than 2 million. And Amr ibn al-As only has an army of 4,000 people. So he says, I need more. So Umar radiallahu anh replies him. And he says, Inni amdadtuka bi-arba'ati alaf rajul. That I am going to send support of 4,000 more soldiers for you. Ala kulli alfin rajulum minhum maqama alf. I'm sending you 4,000 more men and at the head of these 4,000, there are four. At the head of these 4,000, there are four and each one of these four in and of himself is like 1,000 men, right? And these four who, are, who were the main members of this 4,000 uh, army of support, these four men were Al-Miqdad ibn Al-Aswad, Al-Zubair ibn Al-Awam, Maslama ibn al-Mukhallad and Ubadah ibn al-Samit. These four. 
Umar radiallahu anhu said, each one of these is like 1,000. So I'm sending you 4,000. And at the head of those 4,000 are, are these four who are each like 1,000. So I'm sending you 4,000, but it's actually like 8,000. Right? And you already have 4,000 that I have sent with you before. So it's like you have 12,000. And the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, وَلَنْ يُغْلَبَ إِثْنَا عَشَرَ أَلْفًا مِنْ قِلَّةً وَلَنْ يُغْلَبَ إِثْنَا عَشَرَ أَلْفًا مِنَ الْقِلَّةِ That 12,000, if you ever have an army of 12,000 men, they will never be defeated due to low numbers. 12,000 is enough. They may be defeated for other reasons. They may defeat, be defeated by, by lack of preparation or, you know, committing some types of sins. They may be defeated for those purposes. But as for, as for their number, they will not be defeated because of a low number if there are at least 12,000. So now, Alhamdulillah, Umar radiallahu an, he has a good amount of support and he moves forward into Egypt, right? Now, the relationship between the Byzantines and the Egyptians, it was a very rocky relationship. The Egyptians and the Byzantines, they were both Christians. But they belonged to different sects or different denominations. The Byzantines were one type of Christians. And the Egyptians, they were a different type of Christians. So the Byzantines considered the Egyptians as inferior to them. The Byzantines considered themselves superior to the Egyptians. And because of that, they mistreated the Egyptians and they oppressed the Egyptians. They were unjust towards the Egyptians. So when the Byzantines came to Egypt, they made a deal with the Egyptians that you Egyptians, you can keep your own ruler, but he would basically be a puppet. He would basically be a puppet to the Byzantine government. And this Egyptian ruler that they allowed them to keep was known as Al-Muqawqis. Al-Muqawqis was his title, the Muqawqis of, of, of Egypt. And also a Byzantine governor was kept in Egypt as well, just to make sure that the Muqawqis stays in line, that he doesn't go against the Byzantine rules, right? So yes, there's an Egyptian local ruler, the Muqawqis, but there's also a Byzantine governor there to you know, supervise everything. And who was the Byzantine governor of Egypt at this time? It was the same Artabon that we spoke about earlier. Remember when Amr ibn al-As, he defeated the Byzantines in Ajnadin, in Philistine, he defeated the Artabon, who was the commander of the forces there in Ajnadin. Then this Artabon, after being defeated in Ajnadin, he fled to Al-Quds, he fled to Jerusalem. And then when the Christians surrendered Jerusalem peacefully to the Muslims, the Artabon, he left Jerusalem and he came to Egypt. So now this is going to be the third time this is going to be the third time that Amr ibn al-As faces the same guy, Zartabon. First in Ajnadin, then in Jerusalem, and now he's going to face him in Egypt. So the Byzantines, they didn't respect the Egyptians, right? They looted their lands and they just used all of that wealth and that resource, those resources in Egypt for their own benefit, and they oppressed the local Egyptians. So when Amr ibn al-As entered Egypt with his army, the Muqawqis, the local ruler of Egypt, he sent two monks, two Christian monks, to meet with Amr ibn al-As, to tell Amr ibn al-As to take his army and to leave Egypt. Right? So these two monks, they came on behalf of the Muqawqis and they met with Amr ibn al-As and they said, you have to leave Egypt or we're going to fight with you. So Amr ibn al-As radiallahu anhu, he said, before 
you know, we get into, you know, talks about fighting and this and that. Let's have a, have a discussion first. Let's have a discussion first and see if we can come to an agreement. Amr ibn As told these two monks, he said, you're religious people. So listen to what I have to say. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent us a prophet, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who clarified everything for us. Our religion is very clear. So we even have rules of conquest and we have rules of war. We don't fight anyone until we first introduce them to Islam. And if they accept Islam, if they become Muslims, then they become our brothers. They're just like us. And you know, their lives are safe and their property is safe. Everything is safe. If they don't want to become Muslims, then we give them an opportunity to surrender peacefully and relinquish control to the Muslims. And they just have to pay the jizya. And if they pay the jizya, then they can live peacefully and they are under the protection of the Muslims. We will protect you. And if you don't accept either of these two options, you don't accept Islam and you don't surrender peacefully and give the jizya, then if you refuse both of these options, then we will fight. And we have been informed by our Prophet, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He prophesied, he told us that we will conquer Egypt. So this is something that's going to happen inevitably. We are going to conquer Egypt. Our Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he gave us glad tidings of this, that we will conquer Egypt. And he also commanded us, our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam commanded us to treat the people of Egypt well. To treat the people of Egypt well because we are related to them. We are related to the people of Egypt. So these two monks, they were surprised. They said, how are you Arabs related to us Egyptians? What is the relationship? And then Amr ibn al-As told them, he said, the great, great, great grandfather of our Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is Ismail alayhi salam. And the mother of Ismail alayhi salam was Hajar. And Hajar, she was an Egyptian. So this is how we are related to the Egyptians. So then these two monks, they were thinking that, that what was meant by relationship was like a close relationship, a near relationship. But this was a relationship that spans back many, many centuries, even millenniums, thousands of years. So they were surprised and they said, oh, this is a very ancient relationship. This is a very old connection. But they admitted, they said, but no one except a prophet of Allah would uphold and respect such an old relationship. Consider us still to be relations, even though that relationship is so old, only a prophet would uphold and respect that type of relationship. So they respected this. And then they told Amr ibn al-As in the course of this conversation, they said, you know, Hajar, the mother of Ismail, she was, she was actually the daughter of royalty. She was the daughter of the king of Egypt. But the people of Ain Shams, that's a place in Egypt, the people of Ain Shams, they revolted against the king of Egypt, the, the, the father of Hajar, and they took control of Egypt. And Hajar became a slave, right? Hajar became a slave. And years later, when Ibrahim السلام, came to Egypt with his wife, Sarah, the, the king of Egypt at that time, he tried to harm Sarah, the wife of Ibrahim السلام, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected her from that king. And eventually he let Sarah go. And he also gave her Hajar as a gift. He said, you can, take this, you can take this girl, you know, as, as a servant. 
So the king of Egypt who had conquered Egypt from the father of Hajar, who had taken Hajar as a slave, now he gives Hajar away as a gift to Sarah, the wife of Ibrahim. And then, of course, Sarah gave Hajar to Ibrahim. And she told him to marry her. And he married her. And they had a son, and that was Ismail. So they had this good conversation. Amr ibn As with these with these two monks. And after this conversation, after this conversation, the two monks they said, Okay, let us go back to Al Muqawqis and we will convey to him what you have said to us. And uh, you know, then he can make a decision. So just give us some time. Alright. Now Amr ibn As he's a very smart man, right? He knows that sometimes people ask for time just so that they can make preparations. And Amr ibn al-As knew that, you know, these people, the Egyptians and the Byzantines here in Egypt, this is their land. You know, they have the home court advantage, basically. They can make their preparations. But as for Amr and his army, you know, it's just Amr and his army. They don't have any neighboring support. So as more time goes by, the army of Amr, you know, they're going to have to use their food. They're going to have to use their supplies. So, you know, they will get weaker day by day. But... The Egyptians and the Byzantines, they can continue to get stronger day by day. So Amr radiallahu anhu, he knew this. He knew that this, you know, people can use this asking for time. They can use this as a trick. But Amr ibn al-As was too smart to fall for any trick like this. So he said to them, Mithli la yukhda. Someone like me, you cannot trick me. So don't try, don't even try to fool me. Right? If you really need time, okay, I can give you only a little bit time to actually go to the Muqawqis and discuss with him. But I'm not going to give you too much time so that you can make preparations. I will only give you three days. You have three days, you can discuss this with your Muqawqis and then, you know, we will go from there. And then they said, oh, three days, it's not enough time. You know, we have to go all the way back. We have to discuss with him. Then he has to give our decision. Then we have to come back to you. You know, we need more than three days. So Amr ibn As, he said, okay, I will give you one extra day. You have four days total. That's it. That's the max that you get. Four more days. So they agreed. They said, okay, four days. And they go back to the Muqawqis. They go back to the Muqawqis and they convey to him the discussion that they had with Amr ibn al-As. They said to him, you know, he gave us, you know, three options. Either we can accept Islam, we can become Muslims, and then, you know, we're all safe. And we have to surrender this land to them. But, you know, we can, we, uh, you know, we'll be Muslims too. So we will be part of it as well. So we're not going to lose anything. Or we can surrender the land to them peacefully and we can still live here under their rule but we will have to pay the jizya and then we will be under their protection. And if we refuse both of these options then they will, they will actually fight us. So the Muqawqis, thinking about this, he thought that the best thing is to surrender peacefully. We should not fight these people because Muqawqis, the Muqawqis he knew that you know this Muslim army the Muslim army has recently defeated the Persian Empire, which is the strong, was the strongest empire in the world at that time. They, they defeated the Byzantine forces in Sham. They made Hiraqal, who was the, the emperor of the Byzantine Empire, run away from Sham and go back to Constantinople, right? So this Muslim army, even though their numbers are not very big compared to the Byzantine army or the, or the Persian army, they were still able to defeat them with very decisive victories. So Muqawqis looking at this, analyzing the situation, he's saying, we shouldn't fight these people. 
They're the same people who defeated the Byzantines. They're the same people who de defeated the Persians. How do we think that we can fight them? Muqawqis wanted to surrender peacefully, right? But al Artabun, the, the Byzantine governor, who really was the one calling all of the shots, he didn't want to surrender. He said, no, no, we will fight them. We will fight them. And al Muqawqis couldn't do anything about it. He really had no power. He's just a puppet, right? So Artabun says, no, we're not going to surrender. If they want to fight, then we will fight. So with this, the conquest of Egypt, one of the, one of the milestone conquests in the history of Islam, it began under the command of Amr ibn al-As radiallahu an. And inshallah, after Ramadan, in our next session, we will talk about the conquest of Egypt in detail bi Barakallahu fikum, wallahu alam, sallallahu wa sallam, wa baraka ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.